teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. All right, welcome on into the Baseline Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well and keeping safe. Very crazy times, but hope everyone is good and doing everything the best we can. So we have another special one today, a uh, special guest, George Robinson, former, formerly of North Canterbury Basketball, but stepping into some pretty cool stuff with the Brisbane Bullets. And so really excited to have him on and hearing about his journey and the things he's contributed to the game of basketball thus far. So George, how you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I know me and Stevie have been going back and forth about trying to get on the pod, so glad we can make it happen and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, awesome. So I think now with that, you know, you've obviously been part of the community for a while and I think people are kind of starting to know your name. But for those of us who maybe aren't as familiar, would you mind just talking a little bit about yourself and an insight to your journey and how you don't do basketball? Oh, it's a bit of a, it's a long one. Like I'm a relatively young guy, but I've packed a lot into the last kind of 10 years of being involved in the sport. Um, but I guess I've really spent the last four years um with North Canary Basketball Association um, in the South Island, the mighty South Island that seems to be forgotten about. Um, and then through that um, in Christchurch, I've been involved with the Canary Rams for the past three years. Um, coached some high school girls basketball as well at the same time with uh, Christchurch Girls High School for a couple of years. And then I guess going back before that, I spent two years over in um, the United States um, doing my master's in sports psychology and being involved with uh, I guess the women's team at the university I was at, Fresno State. Um, and then this is a weird way to do it going backwards. I don't know why I did this, but anyway. Um, and then I just spent four years at uh, Targo University. Um, I started off doing law. Didn't know why I was doing law. And then switched to a PE degree because I was really interested in coaching. I got into coaching a little bit and was just intrigued about trying to find more about how to be good at this. Um, and then while I was in Dunedin, I was working with um, Brent Matahide and Gavin Briggs who are obviously yeah. pretty good coaches in their own right and so that was yeah. I guess being so young starting coaching to be around those two was awesome and yeah and then back when I was younger I played but you know I didn't really expect to make basketball kind of my career it was kind of just the thing that we did and I was around it from when I was like five years old so I loved it but yeah it's pretty cool to be able to say it's my job. Yeah, absolutely. And you've gotten to see different landscapes across just so many different things, which I think is really awesome. And you bring a lot. Uh, how is that transition for you kind of just going from what you thought something completely different to basketball? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I guess I've got so many different perspectives because I've coached like under 13 kids and, you know, five-year-olds through the way like the professional men. Um, and there's a lot of commonalities and the main one is that people first and that's my biggest thing and so yeah people first you're coaching the person first how can you get the most out of them how do you get to understand them uh, what makes them drive what makes them tick how do you inspire them how do you create this environment that they can succeed and that's the same across all coaching and all I guess lenses that I have across life I guess the same with like my friends like how can we connect with them how do we you know just engage with them and have a good time and so 
yeah, I'm an introvert, but I still love people and being around people and I guess seeing people do things is inspiring. So that's kind of, yeah, the same across all the different experiences that still people matter. Yeah, and that's awesome. I reckon too with coaches and really anybody in basketball just because it's such a, you know, people kind of sport that we should be having those connections and practicing those. And it's really great to see someone have that at top of mind and carry that through across everything that they're doing. So going into a little bit deeper, you've did you've done a ton of stuff in North Canterbury and your role there, and you've really built those relationships with different people um, mm-hmm. really to make that place as big of a success as it was, because I know that, I mean, they're always running competitions. They're running different development programs. Like they really put the athletes and the people first. And a lot of it, the word I think of is development. So can you talk a little bit about your role there and just some of the things that are going on um, or at least that were and hopefully are carrying over? Yeah, we, um, I think we have a pretty unique, or we, I don't know if I can use that word anymore. We did have a pretty unique um, word, uh, not uh, the development philosophy um, across New Zealand. Like we, when I first came back from America, um, the association was still in around that kind of, not early specialization, but they'd pick one under 15 boys team and then they'd cut everyone else and there'd be nothing for those boys. And mm. we saw a massive drop off in players kind of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. We, at the moment we struggle in that age group because when they were 13, 14, 15, those kids weren't getting nourished and they weren't getting the opportunity to play. It was 10 kids getting picked. And then when they get to 17, there's only nine. So you're scrambling for extra kids. Whereas yeah. now we have, you know, we had five under 13 teams playing on a Saturday competition. We had um, 19 teams playing the club basketball competition on Saturdays. Like our numbers have just gone boom because we've changed the way that we select and the way that we try and encourage coaches to coach. Um, winning's great, but it shouldn't come at the byproduct of development. Um, every kid needs to get on the floor and play. Um, and so we kind of say to like our under 13 coaches, everyone plays even minutes the first kind of three quarters and then if you have a chance to win the last five minutes fine go ahead and play like your best kids um but you know we don't want to see kids not get on the floor in an entire game like that's just not okay in my view like how do you inspire that kid to play and love the game and the whole reason behind this is like i feel like i'm a good coach but i can't tell which 12 year old which 11 year old is going to potentially be a future tall back like that's just impossible I'm a science guy, like I back research, I back theories, like that supports what my view is. And yeah, so we try and get every kid equal opportunity to play. And then hopefully the ones that are at that high performance level will eventually get to that if they love the game and they stick with it. But they're not in the game, they can't be tall blacks and tall fans. No, and that's a great point. And I think now just we're starting to have those conversations around making sure there's been a lot of talk about okay you know you see some of these guys at the nbl level and they were playing they were probably like you said pretty good early on but then what do you do with those kids who not like kind of drop off after high school because there really isn't much of anything for them to be able to compete with or play um because maybe it just wasn't in the cards for them and so i think that's a really important part of kind of what you guys do and so can you give a little bit of insight into some of those programs as i saw on your website there's some you know I still three x three, but then there's other competitions on weekends and 
uh, you know, the Girls Talk game. So would you mind just giving a little bit of insight as to what some of that stuff is? Yeah, I guess the biggest one that we've really pushed this this past 12 months was is Girls Got Game. Uh, we, at the end of last year, did a bit of a review around our under-13s and realised that we had a very good group of top-age under-13 girls and, you know, they, they came six in this under-15 age group at Nationals this year. Um, but we had no numbers underneath them that was really top-heavy without this depth. And so I was like, well, we're not going to have teams next year in 2021. So we, through the Tamanoa funding through Sport New Zealand, you know, we got funding in to really drive this program and we've seen over 120 girls come through I guess girls got game programs and then they've gone and done something else. And so we've kind of made this tracking thing. We can see when they've come in and what they've done from there on. Um, and we have a lot of success of girls coming into a holiday camp or a girls got game program and then doing something else, which is awesome to me that, you know, they've had a good experience that they want to come back and they're not just coming for the one thing and going, Oh, I'm just going to go back to netball. <laughs> um, then, you know, they're staying with basketball and, I guess we've converted a bunch of girls to now like they identify themselves as, you know, I like basketball better than netball, which is a massive win. But um, yeah, we, we had a holiday camp um, these past, all well, these school holidays, we had 70 odd girls, you know, from years, well, five years old through to 12 years old come. And like we don't have this ma massive population base. So to have that many girls come and be coached by the Wildcats and have that engagement, like that's, it's special. And I say that, out of my four years in North County basketball, the, this past 12 months, the Girls Got Games probably been the most rewarding program to kind of put together. Um, yeah, just to see the, the growth of the girls and how they actually, when you create an environment for them to thrive in, they love it. And they do enjoy basketball. They do love physical contact. It's just you've got to make it an environment that they feel safe and comfortable to do that in. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I... And that's a great point too. And I think something that not necessarily is always talked about either is just creating that environment for them to want to play. Um, and it's great to hear too that so many of those girls now identify with basketball and they want to keep continuing it because otherwise there's times that, like you said, like that guy of players that I think sometimes we might see that don't necessarily always go through and kind of become stagnant over time. So I think we don't necessarily, obviously Lauren Hippolyte, Tessa Boagne, and some of those other Wildcats have been, uh, you know, really big coming through. But I guess, can you talk a little bit about the depth in the North Canterbury region of those girls, um, just to kind of give people a taste of what, what's coming? Uh, we have, yeah, I guess our under-17 team um, that I kind of got thrown into coaching half of her as the coach, unfortunately, to pull out. We had, we came ninth at Nationals, which was okay, but we had seven bottom ages, um, three top ages, and so... Um, two of those girls are already involved with the New Zealand program, Ashlyn Reen and Ivy Brown, um, mm -hmm. who are both these long kind of unicorn, like athletic um, players that can just get to the hoop. But there's something about the North Canterbury girls, like Mira Goulding's a classic, yeah. just the way that we play or they play. It's, I don't know, people say it's just the country in them, but like they just play tough and physical. They don't back down. You know, watching these under 13 girls playing this week, I uh, went down yesterday to Ashburton, like they just put their body on the line. <laughs> like they love it. They love defense, they're physical. And so I guess that's kind of in their DNA. And so a lot of our girls that are coming through just kind of have that grittiness and that toughness about them that 
don't know, people out here say town and girls don't have, but I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so both Ash and Ivy have that. And then, obviously, we've got a couple of under-15 girls as well that were pretty successful. Um, Hannah Janet Jagger made the tournament team. So, um, yeah, it's cool that we have all these girls coming through, but now they have depth behind them and girls just playing is um, awesome to see. Yeah, definitely. And then this those this next question is going to go for both the boys and the girls. Um, yeah. What have you noticed over time that are some of the areas? I know physicality is one, but that New Zealand is strong in, in their style of play. And then what for the other ones, for the younger ones, like what can maybe coaches improve on parts of the game on coaching or how can, you know, what are areas that people can improve on to maybe help get them, you know, even more of a notch above? a tough one because i guess i'll start with what i think work on so under 15 nationals was really interesting to observe um the lack of great decision making was evident um you know guys could get to the hoop especially the guys side of it could get to the hoop at will but they're trying to chuck up a layup over three got three defenders and they've got an open teammate wide open in the corner for a free ball and they just don't even see it um so i think coaches really trying to emphasize like what is a great shot what is not so great um i think zico calls it his shot you know shot threshold and that kind of stuff like um you know shot profiles and all those words like whatever you want to call it like just making good decisions um and then ability to actually hit down shots um they're still you know really poor shooting techniques and guys aren't even looking to shoot the three when they're wide open so I think on the on the boys' side, that's like a big issue um, in the youth space, I guess. And then with the girls, it's having them be more creative and um, with the ball in their hands and be able to kind of play one-on-one a little bit. And, you know, you can even kind of look at the tall ferns. They're still quite rigid on offense, I think, like ind- individually. Um, there's not too many that can just blow by someone one-on-one or create a shot. And mm. I think the girls, you know, rather than trying to play five-out pass and cut a netball style, like, you know, get the ball in their hands, get them playing one-on-one, um, get them used to driving with finishing with contact. Um, and they can do it. It's just we've got to really empower them and actually, like, our young kids are pretty capable of doing it if we just create environments that that's, I guess, praised and accepted. And if they fail, it's fine, but they're trying to play a modern way. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit different eh, than coaching than coaching the boys and I guess in that regard. So yeah. on that note, going over to your time with as an assistant with the junior tall firms, um, the under nineteen team, how yeah. was that for you? And can you tell us a little bit about that experience and working with some of those those girls and what you saw? I was there? I guess it was a bit of a short lived experience because COVID kind of curtailed our campaign, which was gutting because there was some awesome talent coming through. Um, and to see them, you know, like a bunch of them now signing the one scholarships is really cool to see. And oh, yeah. the fact that they're going to a bunch of the same schools like Portland and um, the school that, um, oh my gosh, like Lily Park and um, Jordan. Oh, and Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, Alabama, and Alabama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for them to sign there together, that's really cool um, that they get to, I guess, experience the journey that is college basketball together. Um, but awesome group of kids like Malika, Samia, like, oh my gosh, like an unreal person. And then just the way she plays the game is 
super cool. Um, Ariel as well, like just there's such a good group of girls coming through now that they're all challenging each other. And so when they come back from America and they're at a camp, like that's where I think we need to look at some sort of university team, uh, New Zealand university team, so that, you know, the, the, that layer under the tall ferns and all these girls that are in America come back and there's a way to keep them engaged in the yeah. national system and they're all competing over there and let's bring them back together and have them go at each other at trainings and then go back away to college and kind of just help that next layer under the tall ferns. And I think the tall boats would be the same with all the numbers that we're having in college right now. I think that would be a smart thing to try and build that layer underneath. Um, but the tall ferns, junior tall ferns was, you know, it's always awesome to represent and work with the coaches, Bronwyn Shea, um, Hernando that we only got saw once because of COVID stuff, but, he was awesome. And then can't forget manager Kat, like unreal yeah. manager. Oh my gosh. Like she's the real MVP. She's so good. And she still checks in with everyone. And, you know, it's been a year later. So she's awesome. Yeah. And that's great to hear. And it's really cool to see all, you know, like you said, many of those girls going to some of those same schools and even having players like Olivia Williams, who's now, you know, at UC Irvine and, you know, obviously Jordana, um, going to Alabama, you know, Alabama Montgomery and, you know, seeing also like Malika, she's also, you know, unreal on all levels. And uh, so Portland and watching some of those conferences get more of those Kiwis. So I'll be cool to see BYU, you know, Ariel BYU too. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so then transitioning back a little bit, um, you, men you mentioned your involvement with the Rams um, and that's yeah. been, seemed like a really, there's been a lot of local guys, obviously you have, you know, Imports to Sean Taylor, EJ Sambler, uh, you know, guys like Jack Salt up from Oakland. But uh, going through, especially the Shift 3 at 3 Cup last year, you guys had quite a bit of North Carolina representation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. having those local guys, how was um, just how, how was that process? And, you know, having those guys kind of all come together. It's, um, I guess, Christchurch for context, like Canterbury has this awesome club competition um, where, yeah. you know, there's a premier grade and there's an under 23 grade and, so to have those guys play in the Rams that are come out of that effectively, you know, program those Prems teams, those under twenty three teams, really, I guess, can create a pathway for those guys to see like an actually can still make an NBL team and play at that level. Um, they get in for a bit of a rude awakening sometimes coming in and having to sit down and guard and play defense and you know that kind of thing. But they adjusted and it was just cool to see their growth throughout the year and they just formed the backbone of the club like that. You know, the, the, the community side of, you know, a semi-professional, professional team, like you've got to have that community aspect and having all these guys that are locals that, you know, kids can aspire to and know I went to that primary school, the same kid was there. And, you know, these guys go into the community and coach and they connect with the kids um, really well. And so, you know, all those guys, Ben Hall, Jack Exeter, Fletcher Arnold, who was injured, didn't get to play, Zach yeah. Cannon, like all these young guys that have come through, it's like super inspiring for the, the next generation to see. Yeah, and even seeing someone like, you know, like Walter Brown, another like, you know, high school kid, uh, you know, Thomas Webley, like just all these local guys come in. It also seemed like the Rams mentorship too was also really big um, and they got really involved in the community. Yeah, it's a big part of what they do. Like the community aspect is a massive thing. Um, the guys are expected to do it, you know, and they they embrace it now. Like some of them kind of just started coaching through that mentorship side of it and now they actually coach you know they coach a part of the 15 club team on a Saturday and they, they love it and so it's um it's cool that they give back yeah 
so what, what was, I guess, kind of looking at the experience last year, which was kind of an interesting one for the guests, the guys as a whole as a team because of injuries and, you know, Taylor, Taylor Britt wasn't able to come back because of the NBL finals and Jack was hurt here and there. So how, I guess, as a coaching staff, did you guys rally around and work with, work with each of them to really try and make the best run that you guys could? Um, I guess it's really, again, like kind of coming back to the people, like sitting down and, you know, we had as coaches, like our individual groups and working with them and trying to, you know, figure out what their personal goals were. How can we help them? Um, it's a, it's a challenging environment in the NBL where, you know, the head coach might be full-time, but a lot of the assistant coaches are kind of part-time mm-hmm. and they're trying to juggle a full-time job. And so a lot of people are involved to try and help the guys, um, you know, get to where they want to get to and prepare, you know, like Mason Woodick is a classic one. Like, you know, his goal was to get a Div 1 scholarship and what did he need to do that? You know, he needed to get strong in the weight room. So, like, that investment in him to help him where he got to was a club-wide thing. And But, you know, sitting down with each guy and helping them kind of map out what their goals for the season were and how can they we help them and how can they, I guess, help the, they can help the team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so then the coaching philosophies for you and McDowner and how like that coaching staff seemed again very people oriented. But what did you learn from Mick, from somebody who has been over in Australia and done all those big things? Mick's un- unreal. He's an unbelievable coach, unbelievable person. Um, it's a shame to see him move on, and I I hope that him and Mel stay in the country, and it'd be a massive loss if we we lost him out of New Zealand. But. Um, I guess from a just a straight like coaching the art of coaching side of things rather than basketball, um, mix I guess level headed demeanor during massive moments down or up he still kind of remains pretty consistent. Um, he's not riding the wave of emotion. He's delivering clear, concise messages and timeouts. Um, you know, he's it's not just a one play thing. It's what the whole team has to do for the next couple of possessions offense and defense he's just on point with that stuff um his professionalism around how he approaches things practice planning attention to detail like all that stuff i guess i vibed with a lot um i really learned from that and then from a basketball point of view the way that um defensively i think the way we played like i really enjoyed being up the floor jamming up being disruptive and transition defense we could um, full pressure, just the way that we, we played, I guess it's tied into that national style of play as well, but um, it was really cool to watch him teach that, because um, yeah, defensively I guess when I was younger, it's kind of like how do you how do you teach this stuff properly, like a lot of people just do four on four shell drill, and I just didn't really vibe with that, and so to see Mick and how he created disruption and chaos on the defensive end, and force guys to fix problems and solve it and use communication. Um, I've definitely stolen a bunch of those, I guess, small-sided games and drills and put them in my library, but it's more just, yeah, the way he went about it was, yeah, the biggest part of it. Yeah, and so you've had so many different experiences and like also coming over here to States of Fresno State, so you've seen all that. Yeah. That's style of playing those coaches here then, plus Mick. Have you been able to take some of that and kind of bring it back to your role um, and kind of help make you better? Yeah, definitely. Mick and Mel, like with the younger kids, Mick and Mel's just the way that they teach defense and prioritize and emphasize it and the languages that they use. 
I've definitely brought that back into the North Canterbury and teams that I coach around our style of play, but also just the emphasis on it. And, um, you know, like if you can't guard one-on-one, like it's hard to play. Um, and if you can't shoot, it's hard to play at the other end. So those are kind of the two core things we try and teach the kids in under-13s is, you know, get up the floor, play one-on-one defense, guard your guy, you know, don't get beat off the dribble. Um, and then, you know, if you're open, shoot it, make great, take good shots and make great, do good decisions. So those are kind of the two, the main things, I guess, that I'm trying to implement from, from them. Sweet. And how do you, I guess this experience would be part of it, but how do you become a better coach and how are you studying to better your craft? Oh, this is, I guess I've been really fortunate um, that, I mean, I guess I've got a pretty unique experience across most coaches in New Zealand, I'd say that I guess I've got this really good academic theoretical side of how to coach and then I've got a varied practical side of it and then I've been lucky enough to be on the Sport New Zealand, High Performance Sport New Zealand, I guess coach development, workshops, courses, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, people share, they come in and we workshop stuff, we workshop different topics and so I've had all these different experiences and I think coaches probably focus too much on the basketball side of it rather than the art of coaching. Coaching's main, or my view on it, it's mainly about getting the most out of people. So what are you doing to learn how to get the most out of people? What are you taking or looking up, you know, psychology stuff around motivation and um, safe environments and getting like vulnerability and all those things like, you know, are you doing that? Because that's a massive part of it in my opinion, and um, probably an under-focused area in coaching education space. But, yeah, coaching's a, you know, I guess people use the analogy of, like, you kind of, if you've got a little balloon and you start blowing it up, and like, that's your knowledge inside it, and, you know, the surface area is what you don't know. And so as you blow more knowledge into it, the surface area gets bigger, and you start realizing, oh, I actually don't know that much. Uh, and as you keep blowing blowing into it, the service area is bigger and bigger, and you kind of realize, man, like there's so much out there I don't know. And I'm kind of at that point where, like, you know, I've got to learn about psychology, and I've got to learn about, you know, load management, and you've got to learn about X's and O's, and it's, so it's how do you manage all that? But um, that's what's fun about it. It's all there's so much you can learn about coaching and how to how to get the most out of people, how to what different baseline play to run. It's yeah, you can dive into it quite deeply and go down a rabbit hole and Twitter and, you know, basketball immersion and slapping glass and there's all sorts out there, but it's just fun because there's so many different areas that encompass coaching. Yeah, definitely. And it's, oh, you know, you can always learn, you can always get better and there's in everything that you do, but it's especially in coaching, like there's so much, like you said, it's just not that that's not just basketball. So, and hopefully that'll be something that, you know, more and more people take into account. So speaking of learning off each other, we've had some questions for you from Leighton Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) So the first question from him is, um, how do you, when you have different coaching sessions, how do you break down, how do you break each session down to make the most out of your time? You got a plan. You can't just rock up and wing it. Um, and I think, um, to me, like, I'm pretty, like, short and sharp, like, no more than 10 minutes on something and then moving on to the next thing. 
but there's always a theme within it um and kind of like within the the research around theory and stuff like that of learning like you got to kind of come back to something so like you do it and then come back to it rather than just we're gonna do this 30 minutes until we get it right like the old traditional style like i just don't think that's productive and so um 10 minutes move on to the next thing and then you might circle back to something quite similar but slightly different um time on task everyone's doing stuff so your training doesn't need to be two hours long if everyone's doing stuff um 90 minutes max kind of thing so i guess i don't know if that answers late's question but um yeah. yeah plan it short and sharp like drills 10 minutes move on to the next thing lots of time on task um yeah nice all right so the second question comes you have a team that you only get to train with once per week and they haven't played a lot of basketball um yeah i guess how do you put that kind of decide what to work on did you give me an age group or not no <laughs> no uh let's just show me something about under 13 under 15 space because that's kind of where he yeah. works in um i guess a you got to kind of see where they're at first so you've got to kind of too many coaches going I'm the boss oh, this is what we're going to do but I think you've actually got to see what the kids know where they're at before you kind of start planning in that situation because some of the kids might be at different levels and so that's really hard to juggle um, but mostly it'd be one-on-one -on -one skills uh, you know offense defense lots of one-on-one -on -one games and then shooting technique and then just trying to get them to space the floor and eventually as you go like just super encouraging and positive and um empower them like live with mistakes like it's not the nbl um you know it's gonna it's gonna be ugly <laughs> so don't get worked up by it just understand it i guess it's part of that learning process yeah all right nice and so for the last one it's so you guys as coaches give so much to your athletes and you know, you, you're there through everything. You watch them grow. Um, however, that can be often to the detriment of your personal lives. So how can you, can you talk about the importance of looking after yourself first so that way you can be the best coach that you possibly can be? Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this topic. Um, I actually did my master's research on coach wellbeing. I don't know if he gave you that heads up. Um, so I wrote a bunch of words about oh, coach this wellbeing. Is this is great. Yeah, yeah. So I actually I wrote a bunch of words about it um and i guess kind of created i guess try to create some resources and that kind of thing for coaches to consider um that's all in theory but in the reality it's bloody hard um you know you're on a road trip and you know people say you're gonna kind of get sleep and stuff like that but you've got to cut film for the next game the next day like so it's hard but there's going to be periods where it's full on and you just got to live with that. Like that's just part of the job, but you've got to have deliberate periods of rest, um, deliberate periods of recovery where you're not, you know, burning yourself out. Cause like there's so much coaching knowledge across the world. Oh, oh my laptop's about to die. Hold on. <laughs> no worries. Classic. Um, but um, when you're, um, you know, you're coaching like, you've got all this knowledge you don't want to lose that we don't want to lose that knowledge to the community and so too many people like give up coaching because they just get burnt out and i see it all the time um that coaches are coaching three or four teams and you know it's every night of the week and i was like i just don't know if that's a sustainable long-term approach to coaching um you know and i used to do that but i've been way better at just going no actually i'm not going to do that i'm going to 
um, prioritize, prioritize my health, prioritize like, my wife, hanging out, cooking dinner. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think it's, and then you're not, if you're 50% in a bunch of different things, like, you know, are you giving, yeah, those kids and yourself the, the best value in that training session if you're tired and grumpy and stressed out and you haven't planned properly because you've come from another training, like, so this is, yeah, there's a whole, we're going to spend a whole podcast on this, but um, yeah, it's yeah. super important that coaches look after themselves because yeah, if you're trying to invest in kids and understand people and like that's draining. So if you're drained yourself, like you're just not going to do a good job of it in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that applies to daily life as well. I eh? just like, if you can't, you know, you can't put a hundred percent if you're not, if you're not a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's an interesting topic around like being vulnerable and, um so many times like coaches when you're younger you're told to be a duck where you're calm above the water and but underneath you're frantic with your legs kicking and sometimes yes but I also think like we're humans and I think it's okay to you know I guess like we're trying to be role models to the athletes that we're coaching and understand about life and all those things and so you're not friends with them but you've got to try and find a way where you can you know like hey like I'm not good today because of something you don't have to say why but that way there's a little bit of understanding that yeah i'm not great but i'm still here and i'm showing up and i'm competing hard um even though i'm not great and i think that's an underrated aspect and like this and it's an interesting conversation and not everyone agrees with me on that one but um yeah it's just my thoughts on it like we don't have to be these robots where we try and hide all those things yeah and i think that's super important too for everyone just hearing that and even just whatever you do, just moving forward, like prioritize, you know, prioritize your mental health too, and making sure that you're ready to go. Otherwise, like you said, like you can't give everything and be, I think also being able to be vulnerable and having an environment that you're comfortable to do that. Um, and you don't have to give all the information right away, but just kind of have that heads up and to feel safe to do that's a big deal. And research would tell, and you just ask your athlete, like, athletes, like they know if you're being stressed and being a dick, like they, they pick that up. They know your telltale, telltale signs. Like, um, yeah, coaches are naive if they think they can hide it. Yeah. What are some of the things that you personally do to kind of maintain that balance and make sure uh, to, to kind of reset, like after a stressful, you know, a stressful game or whatever? How do you do about that? Um, I need to exercise more. Like that's one thing I definitely need to get better at. Um, but I guess I enjoy cooking um so i guess that kind of being in that process and making food for people like that's something that i enjoy so it kind of zones you out of whatever's going on so whether it's like making something in the kitchen or making a barbecue or something like that in summer with drinks and that kind of thing like i really enjoy that side of it and then um the last 12 months or so i've been playing a lot more golf um just being at such a different pace to basketball being outside it's a mental game um you know you can have a conversation with people it's way slower pace so i've been joining that lately actually got a game this afternoon so i'm looking forward to that oh, nice it's not like a little way to cross train and really just you know have different have a different interest which is awesome and yeah. all does sound great yeah so looking ahead to your you're gonna be moving across the tasman sea to brisbane yeah has has so what's that role going to be for you? And obviously you're going to be working closely with James Duncan and some, you know, there's a Kiwi connection there with, uh, you know, Tony Samuel, Jack Salt and Tyrell Harrison, but um, working with 
you know, but just working with that team, working with the team in general, can you go on a little bit about your role and what you're going to be up to? Yeah, so I guess I've got a, a dual role with the team, so I or the organisation. So with the the basketball team, I'm the development coach, so kind of I guess like the third assistant coach a little bit. Um, I'll have a group of players that I work out. Uh, I'm sure once I get there, I'll be helping with video and that kind of thing. But yeah, my main job will be like that small group of players that I'll be working out. And I guess I'm really looking forward to learning from JD and his experiences and, you know, we're carrying on that work with the Kiwi guys and working with Jack still. And like Jack's such a good dude and he's already got some food places lined up for us to go to um, when we get there. So there's no pressure on him. Um, but uh, yeah, like, so I'm looking forward to meeting, meeting all the other guys um, and just, yeah, getting amongst it. So I have that kind of development coach role with the team. And then I guess the other part of the time over there, I'll be working in their community team. Um, so working, um, I guess, in their programs, kind of similar to what an association type role would be where they, they're delivering to the community. The players are kind of coming along, um, working with their holiday camps and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a cool role to kind of carry on with that community space because I'm pretty passionate about making sure kids love the game. But then it's always fun working with top athletes and people trying to do amazing things on the court. So I'm looking forward to that too. And it seems like they have a, the organization, at least from the outside and what I've seen through their website and other research is that they also have a strong develop, you know, a strong community side and they really try and involve local youth and really trying to help grow the game. Yeah, they're numbers. Yeah, their numbers and their community program have kind of gone through the roof the last few years and it's really kicked off. And so I guess that's why they need more help in that space, We are kind of, which is where I fit in. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, we can't just forget about the, the one or two percent that are playing at a high performance level. There's still all those kids underneath that are future fans, future referees, future coaches, and potentially future players. So, Awesome. All right, so we're going to, we're about to close this one out here, but. Before we do, we're going to do a couple of quick fire questions. Yeah. All right. So the first one is, what is your favorite thing to cook? And this can include barbecue. Uh, <laughs> you listen to the podcast with Sione, huh? <laughs> um, just a little bit. Uh, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, I guess, yeah, like cooking barbecue is cool. It's just like a different thing. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess pretty much anything barbecue kind of just fun. It's different. There's so many different things you can do with you. So ribs go good though. Nothing like some ribs. Ribs are mean, eh? Yeah. All right. So then your second one is what is going to be the thing you're going to miss the most about New Zealand when you do go? Uh, people. People like this. We've got some awesome friends here um, that I guess we're going to miss. We're moving away from them. Moving away from awesome Basel community like Christchurch has this amazing group of people here doing incredible things in the club scene the rep scene so moving away from them but i guess in the stage of social media and everyone's on zoom like we'll still stay in touch and learn from each other and share so but yeah people are it's going to be sad but we'll make new yeah. people we'll make new friends <laughs> and then if you could go anywhere in the world to either coach or play basketball where would you go i've done the american thing and I don't know if I would it'd have to be a pretty good job to go back there to be fair um, but I guess somewhere like Spain like you know the success that they've had um, 
their development, you know, that Euro, whole Euroleague space, like that'd be, I know Ross learned so much from going over there. So I think that would be a pretty cool experience to go kind of a, uh, dive in for a couple of weeks or so at least kind of check it out. Awesome. And if you could pick your NBL all-star five way too early preseason rankings, who would you NBL pick? or NZNBL? Uh, we'll say both. Why not? Oh man. That's tough. That's tough. I'll just pick the Brisbane ball at starting five. <laughs> <laughs> good way to be. There's got some strong yeah. guys in there too. It's going to be a good lineup. Yeah. 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 Looking forward to seeing LP and um, Sobe coming back from, you know, bronze medal and Robert Franks. Like there's big Jack Salt, the Kiwi boys, like, you know, like it's just going to be a fun group to be around. So got to give them some love. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, thanks again, George, for hopping on and thanks for sharing your knowledge and really telling the story a little bit of what people may not see necessarily down in Christchurch in North Canterbury um, and for sharing that. And again, thanks for all you do in the community and we look forward, we wish you all the best and look forward to seeing you in your new role. Appreciate it. Um, I always enjoy talking hoops and coaching. So thanks for having me on and hopefully we can get a flight in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, keep our fingers crossed for you and uh, hopefully you'll get there before preseason at least. <laughs> yeah. Might be bang on. So uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. Epic. Well, best of luck. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.